Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it's a Monday. The Packers obviously did not play over the weekend. The message from head coach Matt LaFleur as he dismissed his players and coaches for a weekend off after a tough Thursday night loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, pretty simple in that you have to turn the page. I believe the phrase he used was hit the reset button because as frustrating as the loss was, you have chances by the goal line and you lose the turnover battle and all of these other things that went into it. You have to hit that reset button and move on because there's a lot of football left to be played. Yeah, I thought last, you know, yesterday in particular showed you uh, <laughs> where the Packers sit right now, three and one going into the second quarter of the season. That's a pretty good position to be in right now in the NFC. And it, it's tough because... You know, and I know fans get like this too. I've already started to answer some insider inbox questions before we tape the show for what will be Tuesday's insider inbox. And, you know, everyone's so reactionary. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, wins and losses, it's the greatest thing ever, it's the worst thing ever. The thing that always surprises me is that, and I think media myself is included in this, very, it's all about consistency, right? The entire season is, a, you know, the best teams that make the playoffs are the most consistent ones. It's very difficult just to dominate every single week in this league. It's not NCAA football where if you're a top five team in the country, you're just expected to blow everyone out. Yeah. I mean, you had Baltimore looking like they're just going to be world beaters and destroying everybody. And then they go and have the performance that they did against Cleveland. And Cleveland was the worst team in the world. And now they're back at two and two. So from the Packers, you just have to look at everything at a, a high macro level right now. You're three and one. You're going to go on into a tough environment in Dallas, no question about that. But now the Cowboys are coming off of a, a really close loss. So all those things paired together are <laughs> what make the league so great. And it's also about showing which teams can, week in and week out, you know, find the way to win, regardless of whether everything goes correctly or not. Yeah, and shortly after we get done taping this episode, the Packers will be hitting the practice field uh, for an unusual Monday practice. Obviously, the players coming back from the weekend. It'll be a short workout and getting ready for that Week 5 trip to Dallas. As the week goes along, we will see what the injury updates are with regards to Devontae Adams and his toe and Brian Balaga and his shoulder and Kevin King and his groin. Those are three prominent starters, obviously, in the Packers lineup that uh, we will see how the week unfolds with them. But you said it, Wes. As I packed up my things and went to bed last night after kind of absorbing a day of NFL football, I think what struck me, because it applies to the Packers and what happened on Thursday night against the Eagles, is just how hard it is to get to 4-0 and in this league. Right. I mean, you look at what happened. The Los Angeles Rams give up 55 points at home, so they don't get to 4-0. and yep. The New England Patriots got all they could handle from the Buffalo Bills and win by six, partly thanks to a blocked punt for a touchdown and knocking the starting quarterback for the Bills out of the game, and the backup ends up throwing an interception in the end zone. Right. So New England survives and gets to 4-0. The Kansas City Chiefs get all they can handle from the Detroit Lions. They barely survive on a touchdown with 20 seconds left to get to 4-0. It's not an easy thing to do. And as you said at the outset, 3-1 and one at the quarter pole, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And right now in the NFC, Nobody has more than three victories. The only undefeated team is the San Francisco 49ers at 3-0 and yeah. because they were on a bye week. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we're going to talk about some of these Sunday games here in a minute, but I thought the Kansas City game against Detroit 
showed you exactly where the bar is. And it's weird because Kansas City, that is not going to be a performance that Andy Reid and those coaches are going to put <laughs> up as this is one of our best that we've ever had. But in an environment like Ford Field, you and I have been there how many times now, Mike, when you get that energy, that you get that crowd excited, how difficult it is to pull back. And Patrick Mahomes, despite the fact he didn't throw a touchdown pass in that game, only the fourth time in his career that that's happened, they still found a path to victory late. That's what it takes to be a 4-0 team. Mm-hmm. And it's also underrated because it's such a tough, bitter taste in your mouth to end September. But the Packers did a lot of solid things to get to 3-1 and one at this point, defensively, offensively, special teams. It just It's trying to make sure that you shore up the leaks that showed in that game against Philadelphia to get back on track now going into Dallas. Yeah, well, looking at the NFC North, the Lions certainly having just as many regrets about their home loss to Kansas City as the Packers are with their home loss to the Eagles because the Lions had, I mean, my goodness, they have a touchdown overturned by replay, and then on the next play, it's a sack fumble and they lose the ball. And then later on, you have a running back who coughs it up at the goal line and the Kansas City Chiefs pick it up and run all the way down the field for a defensive touchdown. And at the end of the day, the final score of that game is 34-30 to in, in favor of Kansas City. And uh, the Lions are looking at this saying, boy, they were, they were right there to get to 3-0-1 and actually be on top of the NFC North at the quarter pole with the Packers and the Bears at 3-1 and one with Chicago knocking off Minnesota. Yeah, and, and Lions, which again shows you how you really can't ever predict anything week to week in this league. My goodness. Not only from how tough they played Kansas City, you give credit to them for that. They were 2-0-1. I think, you know, even if you didn't expect the Lions to win that game, you expected them to have a really good performance. But they end up getting 125 rushing yards from on Johnson <laughs> after they really haven't been able to establish the run very well during their first three victories. Kenny Galladay, who was shut down completely a week before in a win, well, then he comes back and has two touchdowns. Yep. But it's still, you know, again, it, it all boils back together where you have to have a consistent performance, even though they didn't have Darius Slay. The one thing that I found peculiar, and I mentioned this on Twitter, and, and I don't know if Matt, I didn't see if Matt Patricia addressed it after the game, Detroit went with a lot of prevent defense on that final series where Kansas City ended up going down the field to not only, you know, take the, you know, to tie the ball game up but take the lead yeah. at that point. Yeah, the fact that they only needed a field goal to tie and, a, and obviously a, a, a touchdown to win. It was a it was an interesting defensive sequence and maybe the, you know, the absence of Slay or whatever the case was. They felt like they had to uh, sell know, out. If if that's if if that's what it was, I don't know. That was Wes and Don Hodkowitz football in the backyard give them five seconds to make the throw and then you know eventually you can rush I mean they're going with a lot of three-man looks there was one play I think where they had a two-man rush with two spies and you know if you're playing to protect a seven-point lead I get that you know if the the field goal doesn't matter but I mean all Kansas City needed was the field goal and and credit to Patrick Mahomes too when finally Detroit ended up going with an even man rush. They were able to collapse the pocket, the pocket, and Mahomes came out and just made a phenomenal pass. Uh, you know, against some pressure there, yeah. he found the receivers he needed to. He found a Travis Kelsey in that one, and it was enough to uh, find the victory. Yeah, well, I think we're learning certainly through the first quarter of the 2019 season, and we've been talking about it all along. But I think yesterday, in a lot of ways, confirmed just how tough this NFC North is going to be from start to finish this year. The Minnesota Vikings go into Soldier Field 
The Chicago Bears lose Mitchell Trubisky, their starting quarterback, on the opening drive of the game. And the Chicago Bears defense just completely throttles Minnesota, a game that was 16 to nothing until well into the fourth quarter before yeah. Minnesota got on the board, a 16-6 to final. An impressive victory. I don't care what you want to say about how ugly it was. That was an impressive victory by the Chicago Bears at home against a division rival. And Minnesota now is trying to figure out, you know, can they take their show on the road because they've been really impressive in two home victories and extremely underwhelming in two road losses, both to division opponents. Yeah, Minnesota's definitely at a crossroads right now uh, because their defense, while still you know good, it's not to the level of where Chicago's at right now. No, um, no, not at all. I also thought the, you know, you look at the strip sack that Khalil Mack had, the first thing that crossed my mind is it's like, that's why David Bakhtiari makes the big bucks. That's why <laughs> Brian Balaga, I thought, as I've said numerous times now, is incredibly underrated. Riley Reef is not a nobody in this league. I mean, he's played for a long time. Yeah, he's, he's an established veteran. Yeah. Left tackle. I mean, that's the commitment that the Vikings made to him when they signed him two years ago, and Mack just made him look silly on that sack of um, Cousins. I thought that was interesting. I didn't realize all the fumbles lost that Kirk Cousins has uh, through the course of his career. I saw something that was like 27 or something like that. Oh my goodness, wow. Uh, some kind of hidden turnovers there. And the reason I say Minnesota's at a crossroads because they got to figure out what kind of team they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, Adam Thielen after the game was talking about 21st in passing offense right now, just having a difficult time getting that going. Delvin Cook has had some really good performances. He gets bottled up in this one and then also misses a crucial uh, pass protection late that uh, you know resulted in negative yardage and a negative play for the Vikings as well. So, well, and the and the Bears do this defensively without Roquan Smith. Yeah. Nick Kwiatkowski steps in as a backup inside linebacker. And you mentioned the pass protection with Dalvin Cook. This is why, folks. This is why we talk about how difficult it is for running backs coming from the college yeah. game to learn how to pass protect and pick up blitzes in the NFL. Because at the end of the day, a star running back in college, maybe once or twice in his entire college career, will he have to step up and block a blitzing linebacker who's the caliber of an NFL yeah. player. Right. You get into the NFL, you have to do it on a regular basis. And Dalvin Cook couldn't do it against a backup linebacker. Right. And this is nothing against Kwiatkowski, who's played for the Bears for a number of years and filled in admirably every time he's been asked to. But he's not a starter. And the one time he completely whipped Dalvin Cook for a sack, and the other, going around him, I mean to say, and the other time he just bull rushed him right back into the quarterback because Cook couldn't set his feet and and uh, and bow up and make the block. It's tough duty, and that's why we talk about it with young running backs coming to the NFL. Coaches need to be able to trust those guys to protect their quarterback against blitzing linebackers, and it's not an easy thing to do. I just This is the thing I always kind of love about fans, too, uh, and this isn't anything against Dexter Williams. Aaron Jones had to answer the same questions back in 2017. Absolutely. But fans are always like, well, why isn't Dexter Williams playing more? Why didn't Aaron Jones play more in 2017? There's more to, to the position than just running the ball. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to protect, pass protect. You have to be able to be accountable on third downs. You have to be able to go out and become a pass catcher when you need to. And that's not to say that Williams couldn't or Jones couldn't but there is equity built up in Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones in his third season even you know Danny Vitale there in his fourth season to be in those roles to be in those situations because you just can't risk it in those moments you need to have your most experienced your most accountable players your veteran players on the field now a lot of times what happens is injuries will occur and then that's when a player gets thrown in the spotlight and you really find out what they can do 
But until that moment arrives, it's very difficult to throw someone out there that isn't ready for that moment or isn't proven in that moment if you have the other options available. I think that's one of the things that, to be honest with you, I think that the Vikings are kind of learning this year where they don't have that Latavius Murray, that that number two guy here in that spot yeah. where, okay, that's, that's you know, a veteran that can step up in that situation. Right, because their number two guy, Madison, is younger is, than, is Dal- is, is than, than yeah. Dalvin Cook. So yeah, they're, you're, you're right. They're in a they're in an interesting spot there. And as as Thielen said, I mean, Adam Thielen had what one catch for six yards or two or catches for six two yards. catches for six yards, which one uh, for zero. Um, he had a catch for zero yards. Yeah, I mean, uh, um, the Vikings. We talked about it. Mike Zimmer wants to be able to run the football. He wants to be a run oriented offense. But a game like yesterday just shows you if you if you cannot protect the quarterback and you cannot establish any kind of a passing game in the NFL, it's very difficult to win. And also, I got I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. Chase Daniel really stepped up in that game. Oh no question. Um, a terrible injury early on for Mitchell Trubisky did not look good. We'll see what exactly the MRIs or whatnot show with that. But the way that his uh, full, his shoulder kind of you know move there. It yeah, it wasn't. Was a, it was an awkward deal for yeah, sure. Yeah. So. But Chase Daniels has been playing in this league for a long time. I've always felt like he's sort of one of those underrated kind of backup quarterbacks. He's kind of had chances to be a starter, but not really, right? Yeah. I mean, he went to Philadelphia. They paid him a lot of money, but then they end up drafting Carson Wentz. They make the moves that they did, and he ends up kind of falling out there. Kansas City, he yeah, was sort so of a backup. Yeah, he was with the Chiefs for a while, too. But I'll tell you what, if you're in that position and you feel like you're just the quarterback, a, a consistent quarterback away from being a contender – you can do a lot worse than Chase Daniel. I thought he really showed a lot in that game, especially considering Chicago still hasn't been able to really get the running game going here, even though they've been featuring David Montgomery the last few weeks. Yeah, definitely. Uh, real quickly here, Wes, select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering catering or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, as the week goes on, we'll obviously talk a lot more about the Dallas Cowboys, but I do think we need to address what happened in the Superdome in New Orleans on Sunday Night Football. The Cowboys trying to get to 4-0, and Ezekiel Elliott is shut down. The Dallas Cowboys offense really has one drive opening the third quarter where they go down and get a touchdown. But the New Orleans Saints with Teddy Bridgewater – they post the victory without even scoring a touchdown. They get four field goals yeah. and win the game 12-10. to 10. This is one of those results, Wes, that uh, obviously the Saints are going to be waiting another four or five games, whatever it is, to get Drew Brees back. But this is one of those results, the Saints beating the Cowboys at home with Bridgewater at quarterback that we might be looking back on in December when we're looking at playoff positioning and everything else, this could be a really, really key ball game in, it, in the whole mix. Well, and it shows one thing. We talk so often about quarterback play, and without a shadow of a doubt, the New Orleans Saints are at their best when Drew Brees is their quarterback. Yeah. But getting back to that Mike Spofford, let's be real moment of the week, <laughs> this game is completely different if that's the 2015-2014 New Orleans Saints defense Absolutely. There. The job that they did against Zeke Elliott, I mean, 18 carries for 35 yards, a long of six, and also a forced fumble, that was incredible. <laughs> Jason Witten had a fumble in that game that was lost. Jason Witten yeah, has got, like eight career fumbles in 20 years. Yeah, or got the ball played. punched out from behind. Just the way that they attack the ball, uh, I'm just so impressed. I know Marshawn Lattimore has been kind of hit or miss at points this year, but I thought he played a pretty solid game. They just made it really difficult 
on the Cowboys. And the one thing I learned from that performance is, and again, this is going to be super, oh, tell me something I don't already know. Yeah. If you are able to contain Ezekiel Elliott, that is the domino that sets off everything for the Cowboys. It sets off Prescott's play action. It sets off the downfield passing game. The more people that you have to get committing to the run, the better chances that the Cowboys' offense is really going to expand. They had a very difficult time doing that because they just were unable to get Elliott going. Prescott didn't really have any big plays. And, you know, there was a dearth of touchdowns in this game. New Orleans Saints, credit to them, the first time in the Sean Payton era, win a football game without without scoring a touchdown. Yeah. And Teddy Bridgewater did exactly what he needed to do with the weapons that he had to get a victory. Yeah, this Saints team to me is so impressive what they're doing defensively. And really, their their history, I'm telling you, you go into that New Orleans Superdome in a primetime game. I, I don't know what their winning streak is or what their record is over the last, you know, even when they were a 7-9 and nine team for those couple of years there. If you have to play in the Superdome in primetime, that might be the toughest yeah, road assignment weird. in the NFL. Their, their winning percentage in home night games is, uh, is astounding, and they did it again. And the Cowboys, who everybody was questioning them because of their first three games, the, ske- the schedule that they had, beating the Giants before the Giants turned it over to mm-hmm. Daniel Jones at quarterback. They beat the Redskins, who don't have any wins this year. They beat the Dolphins, who don't have any wins yet this year. So the, everybody was criticizing the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are saying, okay, we're going to come out and prove you know who we are. And then they go into New Orleans and score only 10 points, and, uh, and they're sitting at 3-1 and one just like the Packers, which – really sets up a, an intriguing matchup um, at AT&T Stadium on Sunday. A pair of 3-1 and one teams that both feel like they should have, could have gotten to 4-0, but they didn't do it. And now you're looking at the difference between 4-1 and one or 3-2 and two for these two ball clubs. Yeah, and there's a massive hole potentially there for Dallas, depending on what happens with Tyron Smith this yes, week. Yes, right uh, at the end of the game, right at the, the end left of the tackle. Game, Jerry Jones telling the reporters and afterwards it's a high ankle sprain, so we have to see exactly how the week plays out with Smith. But uh, Fleming was the one, I think, that stepped in there at the end. That's the thing. I mean, Tyron Smith is still, at 28 years old, is still one of the preeminent left tackles in this game. If for whatever reason he's unable to go or is severely limited by that, that is going to be a big question mark for Dallas going into this game. I know Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith last week, they are disappointed. They didn't get to the house, but... If Smith is if that Smith isn't there for the yeah Cowboys, we have to deal with a lot of Smiths here this this that, week that's going to be problematic yeah I mean I, I and uh, this is one of those and I know we'll talk about this later in the week but the type of game that Elliot is coming off of you have to believe that the emphasis in practice for the Cowboys is going to be everything it takes to get Elliot going against the Packers certainly the Packers have yeah. shown their leaks in run defense and you said it earlier that. Elliot and what he does on the ground is, uh, you know, is the key to open the door to everything else in this offense. The passes to Cooper, the passes to Witten, the passes over the middle to Randall Cobb coming out of the slot. All of that is predicated on on Elliot getting defenses to pay so much attention to him in order to prevent him from controlling things. And that's the type of game that the Cowboys are going to be focused on getting back to with a Packers defense that struggled to stop the run coming into Dallas. Yeah, definitely. And, and Elliott 
I mean, you have to imagine he's going to just be champing at the bit, trying to come back and, and have a solid performance after that. Um, the other thing I want to mention, too, and again, we're going to get a chance to talk about the actual preview later this week, but uh, Elvin Kamara didn't have the type of game that it's like, okay, it's going to jump off the page. That was a quintessential Elvin Kamara game. Right. But he was effective enough where they needed him to be effective. We'll have to see how this week shuffles out for the Packers. Uh, certainly, Jamal Williams ended up going to the hospital, uh, was you know seen overnight for observation, but had a pretty funny little moment <laughs> with the nurse saying that, you know, she wanted to listen to his stomach, and Aaron Jones recounted this, where he's like, what do you just want to see, you know, I don't even, wow, how hungry I am right now, or however yeah. it was that he said it in his Jamal Williams voice. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to have to see what Jamal Williams' availability is, but regardless uh, of what his outlook is, I think Aaron Jones, potentially Danny Vitale, those guys are going to be critical in this matchup, because Dallas's defense is pretty darn good, too. Jalen Smith is an incredible inside linebacker in this league. It's it's funny to me, Mike, that we are now at a point in time where Sean Lee is a rotational player. I remember a time right. where Sean Lee was their only defensive player yeah. that, like, if you brought him up on a depth chart, that was the only guy you looked at and went, yeah, he scares me. Yeah, and if he was injured and out of the game, you felt like you could score yeah. 35 points against the Dallas Cowboys. And that, that is no longer the case. Yeah. I mean, they have yep. – uh, Van Der Esch, I mean, they have so many talented linebackers there. Regardless, we'll see exactly what happens with Jamal Williams. You hope for the best for him. But whatever combination of running backs it is, it is going to be critical for the Packers to be getting those guys going against that defensive front. Yeah, and I tell you, just one quick thought. That Alvin Kamara... That guy is so slippery. It's he, incredible. He is so he is so tough to tackle. He's he's whether Drew Brees is quarterback in the Saints or not. Yeah. Like it is fun to watch the Saints just for when that guy gets the ball in his hands because he's something else. And someday, if we're talking, you know, you and I are doing this in twenty years or whatever, and he's going into Canton, I'm going to be like Mike Spofford was the first one to say Elvin Kamara is going to be a player in this league, man, and he has Telling been. You something else yeah definitely underdrafted for what he has produced yeah. thus far in his nfl career but we got to go so with that we'll call it a wrap on this edition of packers unscripted be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on packers.com subscribe to us like us on itunes and other podcast services if you're not interested in looking at our faces <laughs> on twitter he's at west hot i'm at mike spofford at packers for the team account thanks for tuning in everybody we'll see you next time <laughs>